In this podcast, you're going to hear how Peter Hull has taken FitStop from one physical location to 43 locations across Australia in the last few years, and how he's on track to take the brand to 10,000 locations in the next five years. This is a truly epic podcast, and I hope you get a lot out of it, especially about the franchising model and how that works. Enjoy. One, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is. Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission, to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. So this episode is going to be an absolute cracker, I have no doubt. This man has gone from owning one physical location gym to, to having one of the fastest growing fitness franchises in Australia called FitStop. Pete Hull, welcome to the podcast. Mate, thank you for having me. And uh, it still gives me butterflies every time I hear that. What the, what the fact that you've gone from one to 43 locations? Yeah, it does. Yeah, my hair gets grayer straight away as well. So. Mate, at least you've got hair. Like, let's not even go, <laughs> let's not even go down the hair thing. I think we, st- we started the other podcast previously with, with Sasha about he had a he had a great hairline too, mate. It's savage for people like me. I just, I'm, mate, I'm in awe, mate. I'm in awe. <laughs> but I think the best place for us to start with you is obviously a lot of people won't know how you even got into the fitness industry. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from the back of, of the fact that obviously you were previously an athlete in motocross and obviously trying to get to the top pro level in that game. Can you give me a bit of an understanding of like how you first got into that and, and getting on with that? Yeah, so um, I grew up racing motocross, um, I think from the age of nine or so. Um, you know, my dad um, had a history with that as well. Um, you know, it was just something that I was kind of born into, I guess, and had the dream of becoming a professional athlete. But uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, but fortunately, we're here today to talk about it. So um, yeah, fell in love with motocross, tried to live the dream, training for it, um, traveling Australia, um, had two knee reconstructions. So one at the age of, I think it was 19 or 20. And then the second one, nine months after I got back on the bike. So that was a big red flag for me and um, pushed me into the direction of falling in love with health and fitness. So is that something that of, often happens in that in that game? You get blow out of your knee when you're going off across all these high jumps and all this kind of stuff. Is, it, is, that, is that a common injury? Yeah, I think, look, it, um, it is a pretty intense sport. Um, you know, you hit the ground pretty hard. Uh, it is really aggressive on your body. So, um, yeah, number of different injuries. Um, you know, I've, I've broken my leg a couple of times before that, collarbone, um, head injuries. Um, and it's just part and parcel. But I think it's every sport. Um, you know, once you start getting to a certain level, um, it does become dangerous and these things happen. Do you, do you think, though, that um, it was kind of a, a pivotal point? Like what, what age was the pivotal point when you were like, OK, I can't make a living out of this, like the living that I actually want to make? Yeah, I think that that was probably never the dream was to make the living. It was it was just to chase something. So the pivotal moment was second knee reconstruction, a surgeon telling myself and my mom that, probably should start to consider where I want to head in life um, and it was probably at a good age where I could pivot quite easily and quite quickly so didn't know what I was going to do um, but I did understand that uh, I wanted to be something within the sporting industry um, so I went and studied Cert 3 and 4 in fitness aligned with some amazing people obviously had to go then through 12 months of rehab on my knee um, after the second one learnt a lot um, and then the big motivator for me was I've learnt so much right now how can I use this experience? Um, how can I give this back to, the, firstly, the industry that I love? So training motocross riders, um, BMX riders, um, and kind of living the dream that way. And, and that's kind of how it kicked off. I, I guess I built my craft through those learning years of what does it take to produce an athlete um, and, and kind how of I get to, results. And you wanted to put that into other people within the sport that were chasing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, still still loved it. Still love it. Don't do it anymore. But um, yeah, wanted to, to really give back and I guess educate what I had learnt myself. Did you ever, when you were going through this knee con- reconstruction phase and everything of your life, I know, I know you've made it sound like it was a real positive experience for you, obviously coming <laughs> off the back end. But I want people to understand that, that obviously there would have been a lot of mental trauma with that because like an yeah. athlete coming back from an injury is a is a big thing yep. so can you give me a bit of an insight into obviously like your mindset then because obviously I, I know you've made it sound like yeah it's it's like <laughs> i did this i did this i did this but yeah. like, i'm sure there's a little bit of juice in the in the journey through that because that wasn't that was a 12 month period that must have been quite hard yeah for sure and um, i guess uh 
I go always go to being super optimistic. Um, you know, I, I'm a problem solver. What do we do next? How do I get through this? And I guess that's again why we why we're here today. But um, you know, that the 12 months was hard. The second one was harder. The first one was easier because created a plan, um, even though it probably wasn't the best plan. Just followed that, got back on the bike, and you know, kept chasing the dream. But the second one, when it was kind of like, "Oh, what do I do next?" Um, and the second one's always worse to have surgery on. It was, um, I think, I was laid up for 12 weeks. You know, in a massive brace. You know, no, not putting any weight on it. So, um, never been uh, a big fan of PlayStation or anything like that. But yeah, um, yeah, discovered yeah. the love of uh, um, Guitar Hero um, during those twelve <laughs> weeks, and it was tough. And you, you're sitting at home, not being able to go anywhere, not being able to move. Um, girlfriend, wife, now um, Beck, you know, showering me, all, all those sort of fun things. Yeah, this you is know, what, no one. This sees, is what right? this is what the pe- this is why I wanted you to say that story mm. because like yep. this is what people don't see. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, he done twelve months of knee construction, it was sweet, and then he set up a business. It's like, no, no, that's no. not how it was. Yeah. That's not how it went. I think it taught me a lot though. Like that's um, you know, through that that time, it actually made me slow down, and I've always been someone that runs at a really fast pace. Um, so it, it made me slow down and think about, um, you know, I guess where I did want to go or at least what I wanted to feel, um, you know, and, and it probably taught me that real determination or grit when you overcome adversity as well, which I hadn't really had before. Do you, do you think, um, you, in that, in that time frame, you put together like a bit of a plan of attack of, of where you kind of wanted to see your life going in that, in that, when, when they came out of the back of that? Or? Absolutely not. No, no, <laughs> no not no. a chance. <laughs> no. no. So how did you go about? obviously getting things together then obviously you do you do you said okay you obviously must have decided that you're doing your cert three or four then yeah within that within that time frame yeah. you've done your cert three or four you've obviously gone over there you're now your pt and athletes mm. and and people like that when did you think to yourself okay i don't want to swap swap it keep swapping my time for money doing this yeah. i've got to i've got to progress now i've got to get on into something well you just said it so you know, i think i'm addicted to progression uh for me it's like what's next who do i need to become next um you know where are we heading what are we doing doing how do i make a bigger impact and you know i guess um you know from getting off the couch to going doing that cert three and four i did it in campus so i I wasn't at home anymore i had purpose i had a reason to get up every day um and and to learn and i really wanted to learn so um but that kind of addiction to progression was you know started training athletes one-on-one and because i could ride a bike work on a bike um and train train them kind of in a gym work on their nutrition I could be that kind of all things to those people that wanted it. So, you know, a day for me naturally was get up, go to the gym, train people, go to the track, coach them, do lap times, you know, help them with nutrition, uh, go back home, had a workshop at my parents' house, work on their bike, go back to the gym, either run sessions um, or one-on-one stuff. So I just got super busy um, and I get into the habit of doing all things so I understand it first before I even think about growing um, yeah, before, before I delegate, yeah, yeah, before yeah. I, I need to know at least part of how I talk about this um, to give value, to give direction, and then we can move forward. So, look, one thing led to another. It was um, training people in a studio. Um, it was then using a bigger space, so moving into more of a corporate gym, learning what I loved and what I didn't love about that world as well. Um, and that's something that. So, I, what were some of the things that you thought? Okay, I, I, this this is great, but I hate this. What were some of those things? Look, I. I love the the reason that people get into fitness, um, and this is more of a personal training point of view. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't love the process while you're in that. So it's exchanging time for money as a PT. You're paying a big box gym rent. Yeah. You're expected to do all of these things, but is there that level of support back? Yeah. Um, it is transactional, but does it go both ways? I really question that. Yeah. Is is the va- is the value for both parties in that transaction? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And look, look. This is their model, but big box gyms, um, they generally build their business based off a couple of different revenue lines. Um, And again, um, it works, but it's all about servicing members, so membership fees coming in, and then servicing PTs, PT fees coming in. Um, Gives a great opportunity for startup business owners or PTs to enter into the market. And if you've got an amazing plan that goes along with that consumer base, that can work for you in a big box gym. Um, It didn't work for me. I, I wanted to train in a group environment, um, I was attracting people to come into the gym I was using um, that weren't members of that gym. Um, I had a different clientele base. So, um, again, I think it works amazing and gives an opportunity for the right people, but it didn't work for me. Yeah, it's all right paying $300 a week rent if you're taking clients from their facility. But if you're paying $300 and bringing them customers into their facility, it's kind of like they're, they're, they're kicking you on both sides of the fence yeah. with, with, with something like that. For sure, yeah. And like I said, I think you know, as a PT working in that network, great if you're going to leverage that database. Who, you know, who can start a business and have a database at their hands? No one. 
Um, so if that's done well, awesome. Um, for me, I had a, diff- a different niche, a bit of a different vision of what I wanted to create. So um, did that. Um, and you went straight group training. That's what you're saying. You went straight for the groups more more so in that environment because you realised that that you could leverage more time out of, that, out of doing those things. Yeah, for sure. I did some one-on-one stuff, but um, a lot of the things that I built out started to push more into group fitness. Um, and you know that led us into leasing a, a very small industrial warehouse um, and kicking off our first group training studio. So where was the first groups training studio that you created? It was actually in Redland Bay, so it's a bayside suburb out uh, in in the Redlands. Yeah, um, hundred square meters. I think it was like twenty five grand a year rent or something. Um, you know, we started with uh, I think twenty thousand dollars capital. I imported all the equipment from China. Um, yeah, we, we just kind of jumped in the deep end and had a crack. And again, a uh, big learning for me and, and I've had some amazing support. And, you know, my wife, at the, uh, my wife, um, you know, had, had my back and, and kind of... She just, she just and, backed you, you the know, whole way. Supported and encouraged. And you need that as well because, you know, we can get into the habit of second guessing ourselves, but, you know, bounce the ideas off her and, um, and we kind of jumped in the deep end, leased a building, threw some equipment in and, and got started. How, how important has Beck been in your, like, progression into, like, getting everything that you've got today? Oh, mate, massive. You need that kind of, you know, right-hand person. Um, you know, she's not just a support person. I actually run by her, and I've, I've learned this very quickly. Um, she's very analytical. She's going to be able to pull an idea apart, whereas I go for that top-end vision. This is what I can make happen. So, you know, it's a true partnership where we get to run ideas by each other, um, you know, bounce off those pros and cons and, and make a decision which is going to, um, you know, I guess – be safe, um, but also propel us that next step forward. And she gets that. I, I definitely put her under a lot of stress and pressure over the last uh, 11 years that we've been together, but um, secretly she enjoys it. Are you one of these people like me that, that has 70 million ideas and you think they're all they're all brilliant and then you turn up and then Beck's like, well, we, well look, if you do this, this and this, that's not going to work. Like, And then you're like, you sat there like... <laughs> I know she's right. <laughs> I've done, um, like I said, I've been a PT group trainer, started a gym. Um, I had a sports drink, so manufactured a sports drink in Malaysia, imported that, sold that into a number of different gyms, um, sold apparel. Uh, I've, I've done a lot. Um, and uh, even though I have done all of that, it's been amazing to have a sounding board. And uh, I guess the benefit there is Beck will never hold me back from a great idea. It's not kind of like, oh, no, that's silly. It will be, hey, tell me more. Um, and, and that's what's needed. There's, you know, you'll have people in your life that will tell you that's silly, that's not going to work, that's been done, that's dumb. But you're, try- you're at least trying it. You're trying everything. You're tasting all these different things and, and seeing which works for you mm. and obviously which you can grow. Yeah, and I tested that to market. Um, and obviously we found something that really worked. And, and that was the core of you know, what FitStop is and what FitStop was then anyway really is um, you know, that, that group training experience that does get results, that aims, aims for progression for our members, our athletes, whoever's coming to us. So, you know, the, the grounding core of the business hasn't changed, um, but I did go through that time of kind of experimenting and dabbling. Um, we don't do that anymore. We, we, we stay really true to our vision. Um, you know, we've got the winning formula. It's about, you know, supercharging it, adding fuel to the fire and just, uh, and and just going for and it. Just get, and, just, and just getting it out in as many places now as possible through the franchise model. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you was when you started this facility that was 100 square metres in Brisbane mm-hmm. or Redlands, what, what was – was that originally called FitStop as well? Um, so when I did all my personal training, um, it was called Power to Perform. My mum actually came up with his name, um, right. abbreviated to P2P. So I could give people the power to perform, um, that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, thanks, yeah, mum, for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah your mum's branded you up straight She branded away. me very well, yes. Um, uh, when we started going to motocross tracks and taking physiotherapists and helping people stretch and warm up and all that sort of stuff, we leveraged a pit stop. So we called it P2P's Fit Stop. Right, um, yeah, and it yeah, had yeah. a stop sign in the brand, and then when we launched our first location in Redland Bay, it was called P Two P Fit Stop. Um, so, what made you drop the P Two P then? Just branding, like we we kind of wanted to not forget, but move away from that direct athlete focus. We we understood and realized that this training methodology and formula got a lot of people amazing results. So it was really kind of then testing the market, broadening our reach um, and making sure people felt comfortable coming to us because there's one thing to be able to support the people that are already with you in your circle. Um, the other thing is really attracting that to a wider audience. So look, we, um, yeah, we, we tweaked the brand uh, initially um, to fit stop. Um, that kind of got us to two locations and it was only in the last 12 months we actually did a rebrand um, with 
complete color change. Still the same name. We're still fit stop. Yeah. Um, but complete color change, brand messaging. Um, because again, we really understand our consumer and where we want to be in the market right now. Just bringing that back. So when you had your first location, your branded fit stop. Mm-hmm. At what point did you think to yourself, okay, this is something now that we can, we've we've got we've got our you know our systems and processes in place. We've got a bit yeah. of a structure to what we're doing. When did you think, okay, I want to franchise this model? Is franchising something you always thought you could do from day one, or did you, or or were you thinking about having owning every physical location yourself, or what was the kind of the process you went through to to get into this franchising model? Look, look, the um, probably the first step was testing to see if we could do it again. So we actually opened our second. So from Redland Bay, we outgrew that within 12 months. Um, I started seeking external mentorship. So did a training program called the Entourage. Um, yeah, with, with, Development. Um, with um, Jack Delosa heads yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Incredible program. Met a number of good um, mentors through that. They actually became business partners um, as well through the process. So um, had a great experience, learned how to systemize, learned how to, to, to sell, to market, um, and remembering that I was everything in this stage. So I'm writing meal plans, running sessions, running the business, thinking about the marketing, had external support on all of that, but you know, kind of learned the grounding roots of FitStop. Um, when, uh, when we got to kind of what we thought at that stage was that peak capacity, yeah. um, you know, had an amazing manager running it. Um, Anthony, he actually owns Victoria Point now and, yeah. and still, still helps us out in head office. Um, you know, we got that formula right. There was a bit of magic there. Um, you know, we had hit 220 members, running amazing events, six-week challenges. You know, we had alliances with like Red Bull and Chobani and all this stuff that no one else had at our size. Um, yeah. So, you know, I wanted to kind of, again, jump in the deep end, be addicted to progression and, and open our second. So same thing, went and leased a building, um, got a bunch of equipment. At that stage, had you know, had no longer had the Chinese equipment, had a partnership with AlphaFit, you know, we we're doing amazing fit outs. They, did, they or, do ama- they do amazing stuff. Out yeah, uh, you know, Australia made and owned, and, and just a quality product. Have an amazing relationship with Jamie. So basically, from I think four months into the business, we you know changed over to all their equipment because the stuff that I was getting was just falling apart. Yeah, um, and then from then, you know, they've they've looked after every single location. But yeah, it was um yeah you know, I actually um had a coffee with a mate of mine, Sam Carson's, and he had just opened his second Asai Brothers, and I, and I asked him just the same question how did you do it? And he looked at me and said, well, how'd you do the first one? I said, no, I just signed a lease and fitted it out. And he said, do that for the second. And he said, if you, if you think you've got something, if you know you've proven the model here, you've got amazing just trainers. Yourself. Yeah, he's just jump in. And, and, and look, that's kind of how I've always run it anyway. So I think it was like two days later, I'd gone and signed a lease. And um, yeah, another fun story, we got married four weeks after we opened our second location. So again, was, the, the was, boys, that, was, that, was that a good idea or a bad idea? Oh, it keeps everything interesting. <laughs> I, I will say something different to Beck will say. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, she was helping us paint and, and off to dress fittings and, and all that sort of stuff. So, again, it's all, wow. all part of the journey. Um, it's not easy. Absolutely, we we had to risk it. Risk it. You know, putting our own money um, back into another business when we could have just played it safe. And you know, at, at that time, she wasn't working in Fitstop. She's had an amazing career as a, uh, in recruitment. Um, you know, we had a bit of a, a safety net. We'd um, you know just built a, a, you know, a small house and. Life was kind of trending how life should, um, and I just kind of you know shook it up. A, a buddy of mine says, um, "Just go and shake the trees." Yeah, um, so we went and shook the trees. But you, but you were do, you were doing the standard thing that everyone does at, at that time. You know, you were, you were, you bought the house, you mm. got done the marriage, you yep. got a successful business, but you knew that there was more juice in it. So you just yeah. you just went, okay, cool, let's just rock it, rock and roll, and, and yep. go with it, and. Backing yourself like that is so important when you, when the time is right because so many businesses mm. could scale and miss the boat, don't they? Because they just don't pull the pin. Yeah, for sure. I think um yeah that that common belief in like well, what if it doesn't work? Um, my mind always says, but what if it does? Um, yeah. And uh, and again, it's always got to be a calculated risk. You've got to bounce it off people around you, but people that will be more analytical. Um, you know, I guess um you know uh. If you go to the right people, um, you have the right circle, they understand your passion and you have a vision that's something bigger than yourself, you'll generally make it work. So, you know, we'd already created one. Risk was minimal. Have a crack at it. And, and you've, got, you, you've got one at this point. You've got one cash flow. And so I presume the cash mm. flow from that was funding this second one, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And look, at the same time, again, let's talk about the glitz and glamour. It was, I was still paying myself $500 a week. Um, did that for the first three years. Um, yeah. You know, 
And that's what most people who who look at business owners and kind of resent them a little bit because they think that they're all wealthy in that. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are, are turning over millions of dollars that pay themselves $500 a week. Absolutely. In loads of businesses across Australia, UK, America, yeah. every day. Like people just properly overestimate how much people are pulling out of it. Yeah. And for tax reasons, you don't want to pull loads of money out of it. You want to put that money back into your business and push it forward again. For sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is what are you willing to reinvest? Um, you know, I haven't owned a car for the last four years don't really need one um but again it's like what are you willing to reinvest into your business to get to that next level for me and don't use a simon cynic quote it's it's an infinite game um i'm a fit stopper for life i have goals ambitions and a dream to make this a global company so why would i focus on the now and what could i do now over yeah you know, yeah that real reward which Pull, is in the future. pulling out pulling out a couple of million here or a couple of million there is nothing compared to having a brand that's worth billions of dollars and impacting now hundreds of thousands millions millions mm. of lives rather than because obviously you've got 10,000 members right now we do yes yeah congratulations yeah, like, thank that's, you. that's a big milestone uh, 43 locations mm. so when you when you, obviously you've got that second one up and running now that's cash flowing you've mm. proven the model was this the point when you went and got the the, the funding round no so it was actually a little bit but just just wanted to touch on something there so remembering that i said at two we we grew the first location to around that 200 220 members yeah we've now just hit ten thousand members over 43 locations so the average member number right now i'm going to use the average because that's what we should always be measured off our average sits at somewhere around 267 members yeah when we started it was a boutique business and yes it grew but i think the system is so well proven now that our average 267 members per location per location and you know average membership yields it's at about that 46 dollars because we're at 49 dollars you know take the fees take take the taxes yeah um you know 47 dollars times 267 um as a now franchise business or a startup you could essentially say in each individual location yeah um man that makes me super happy so get to impact a huge amount of lives um but it's amazing return on investment for our owners so yeah, be proud. yeah. and d- just break down for me the what you you obviously had to go fr- from that to mm. obviously getting the funding to do it yeah to, 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 yeah. to be able to put this sure. in place to be, give these opportunities to people yeah is getting funding for a brand new franchise opportunity is that something that's fundamentally really hard absolutely i because th- I, I, I imagine that would be a hell of a proving process something that takes maybe six to twelve months to get approval on yeah well look um you know, I've, I've had a board from, from day one when we set up the franchise entity. So have had support from a high level there to know when to pull the levers. Yep. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is that the first challenge is, um, you know, as the founder and major shareholder, it's going, okay, do we bring more people in here? Do we bring outside money? Because, you know, up until, you know, we, we raised money last year, um, you know, oh, sorry, the year before now, it's 2021. Um, you know, we were already at something like 15 locations or 14 locations purely organically funded every cent back into the business yeah um you know that that kind of i think slow a lot of people still think it was quite fast but that organic growth to go okay am i willing to one dilute my ownership um, because that's a big part of and probably things that people don't speak about um am i willing to bring more people in on this ride and again it has to be for the right reasons you can't just bring people in and they have to have the right skill sets to go along with their equity stake as well. Yeah, well, look, that, that size of business, right? Yeah, and look, there's a there's a number of different ways that you can raise money. Um, you'll you'll raise money just for money. You'll raise money for money, and as well as a skill set. Through our first raise, it was all about just injecting cash into the business so that we could hire amazing resources, focus on our brand and our technology play. So, like I said, I think it was around uh, 15 or so locations we had. We went to market, raised the money, end up raising. I think it was 1.35 million dollars. Um, injected that into the business um, and then that kind of just started to really fuel our expansion so you know hiring of key staff um, my COO Alan Myers an absolute weapon been in the industry for 15 plus years um, you know now sits right beside me in the business operationally you know runs the entire office um, has that level of experience which is incredible so again just another sounding board that Mm -hmm. stuff's not possible if you don't you know go and kind of again jump in the deep end get out of your comfort zone a little bit and raise some money and by taking you out of the operations side of things, mm. you 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 free your mind up to think more big picture and how how can I go and sign fifty franchises in the next twelve months rather than you know 
d- doubling the size of the business straight away. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the biggest thing is um, I, I'm not amazing at having great attention to detail. Um, I, I can think bigger picture. I can solve problems really quickly. Um, I understand, obviously, the brand, the, the marketing, our positioning. Um, but to have someone come in with that skill set and then go back to those brilliant basics, as he calls it, develop these skills and structure. That's why today we've got you know amazing systems. We can roll out a hundred fit stops, you know, just like that. We can, you know, our, our membership numbers constantly increasing. The franchise network is even more supported by less touch points, but better systems. Like yeah. all of that stuff has happened from bringing the right people in, which is incredible. Um, you know, and then I guess for me, it's it's not even about selling the next fifty. Like, like I said, like so, Beck works in um, in fit stop now. She heads yeah. that department. Um, you know, she's amazing at vetting the right people. You've got to be protective of who we're bringing into the brand as well. 100%. We don't just sell to just anyone. It's a it's a quite a lengthy process actually, because again. You have we, to you have to know who you're bringing in is going to benefit you, your next locations as well, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely, it's a family for sure. Um, so super important. But for me, my focus is always going to be number one member experience, and then how are we enhancing that member experience? Um, you know, what technology are we doing to enhance our member experience? What data are we pulling to not only get our members better results, but our location owners better results? Yeah. What's our message to market? What new campaigns could we you know bring in? And again at a high level and then you know go and talk to experts about how do we actualize this so um my, my role's um gone from doing absolutely everything um to becoming a little bit more in, in i would say enjoyable in a way that i've got room to breathe um and really focus on what does our next three five and ten years look like yeah and and i watched actually going on that point one of your points there and the way that you've approached that i watched the video that you shared this morning on instagram by Noel Mack yeah it's right? amazing wasn't it now Noel Mack yep. uh, I've I've known of Noel for, for years mm. since he was a videographer now obviously what he's done at Gymshark I'm saying how you stay ahead of the curve is, is, yep. a, is a similar principle to what I'm going to tag that video that you put on Instagram in the comments of this because I think because it really does go into more detail into what you've just said there of how you get attention on the brand and yep. obviously how you um, think about things and obviously how you go to market to make sure that you're doing all the right things by the customer and, and how you stay front of Facebook for the right reason. Oh, absolutely. You know? And look, COVID was a huge test. And I think, um, I can't remember the statement exactly, but you're going to tag it. And he said something like during COVID, our statement was during the times that were our toughest, we will be our best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a statement from, again, I can't remember the person, but the, the, it, it's a very famous, I'll I tell you what it's from. It's from, um, I think it's from the the prime the prime minister of, of the UK. I don't know whether it was Winston Churchill or whether it was a current prime minister Boris yep. Johnson, but like it was definitely a statement from the mm. prime minister of the UK of of um, whether it was in relation to COVID or the war. I can't remember, yeah. yep. but there's a little bit of context around that. But everything that you've said in in the in the short two minutes you spoke on how you you you're passionately trying to create this brand so that it touches people here but it also mm-hmm. helps your 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 franchisees and all that stuff absolutely everything you said there was wrapped in that 18 minutes but full expansion of what jim shark's done mm. because yep. when he talks about um the their most popular piece of social media content yeah, for yeah. sake it's yeah. like it's like a screenshot of them turning their name into from jim shark into home shark, shark. yeah like it's an amazing amazing piece. i'll tag it in here yeah it, yeah yeah and when you said it i just resonated with it that's mm. what i watched it this morning oh, for sure no i did too and look we did something very similar and and obviously definitely just watched that video but during covid we launched fitstop at home so we had been developing our own technology for 18 months it wasn't ready to go to market covid hit we launched it to every location so that all of our members could re-sign up um, to yep. our new FitStop app. They would pay half the membership fee, but they would book in the exact same way that they would book in if they were going to their location. So, But they down, could do it at home. Do it at home. So they would book in for their 6 a.m. session. They would wake up. They would open the session. So instead of checking in at the gym, they'd actually press launch. It would open up video conferencing. They would see their trainer, all their mates, and they would train with them. So a big thing for us, we went to our network and said, guys, what do we want to be known for post COVID experience? And for me, that was, we take care of our community. Yeah. Yeah. We did everything. We made every single decision based off that statement in the office. We wrote it up on the wall. We take care of our community. It wasn't financial decisions. It wasn't, well, how could we you know, maximize growth? Any of that stuff. It was, 
we take care of our community. That was the filter for every decision made through COVID. And again, that was a pivotal time for us as a brand. During COVID, we launched our new technology. We rebranded um, for all of our new colors. Um, we changed our message to market slightly. Um, and, and we just boomed after COVID. So, you know, again, that's us at a core of FitStop. It's, um, it is all about community. It's all about progression. You know, our community is our owners, our trainers, our managers. Um, you know, they're our FitStoppers. You know, you've just said about refining your message. Mm. What was your previous message and how did you go about refining it to, to get it even more in, into, the, into the target market? Yeah, look, it, it's, um, it's something that naturally has flowed over time. Like, remember, if we go back to Redland Bay, it was the, when I say message, it's how you're perceived in market as well. Yep. So our colors were very grungy. It was harsh, aggressive reds and blacks and a stop sign and, you know, turf on the wall because I thought that was cool and sled tracks and all this sort of stuff. And although we kept the same layout, um, we actually just transitioned a lot of our colorways. The idea behind everything that it always created and even like the old colors were I wanted to I wanted the member to feel like we were taking the outside in so they yep. felt like the time that they were a part of that team sport they felt connection they felt progression and they were in a safe place yep the way we transitioned the brand was exactly that but we weren't really saying that message to market before so our transition was we, we changed our colorways to to khaki um, you know, to a burnt orange, um, to a lot more whites, um, light and bright. So the second someone sees us on socials, we're more inviting, we're more attractive, we're more inclusive. Yeah, rather se- than the red. Rather the than puts, the, the performance, yeah. performance, performance. Yeah. We are that. You're going to guarantee you're going to get results um, if you come to FitStop and you train for us for over three months, um, do a six-week challenge with us. You are absolutely going to feel amazing. That's what the programming's there for. But you, we d- want you just inclusive. want you just don't you just don't want to put people off when they see their initial thing because obviously red, red is a is a stop is yeah it? and we had a physical stop sign like in the yeah. brand so it's like everything was aggressive so yeah it, it's more like we want to be inclusive we want to create community we want this a feeling for everyone um, and and I guess that's what we've been able to achieve so and what's and where do you see it all kind of going in the next twelve months on on from that like in mm. terms of like is are you now in the position where you're going to be open like like one franchise every two weeks or one every three weeks or one every week or what does the what does the growth look like for the next twelve months? Yeah, so um, look, this year is pretty insane. Last year was supposed to be a big year for us. Obviously, COVID slowed it a little bit. Um, so this year we've kind of got all of those to roll out. Um, you know, the first six months I think we end up opening one a week, but the second six months of this year it goes to two a week. Um, for, for some of those months as well. So um, look, at this stage, um, end of this financial year, which is obviously June, we'll be sitting around 55. Um, by the end of the calendar year, the forecast sits at that high 80, early 90s. And at what point do you go, okay, we're going international? Look, it's already on the cards. Like I said, I'm working three, five, 10 years in front. So every you know our technology is already in 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 works for the next kind of 12 to 24 months um you know we're we're already in chats uh, or in conversations sorry with obviously the likes of new zealand um we're exploring you know what our overall flow looks like for that international expansion um but it's obviously it's absolutely on the cards you know we'll be a global company in the next three years when you franchise into another country, mm. do you have to get get a partner within that country to obviously break into that market, or is it something you just go and set up an entity there and just start doing it? Or how do, how does that how do you take it from here into mm. another into another physical country and and open and expand at the rate you are here? Yeah, look, it's not a one size fits all. So we've identified the countries that we want to own and look after, um, and to do that, it's as you know it. It is obviously there's a lot involved in setting it up, but it's you know setting up new entities. It's um, you know it's moving kind of the, the IP over there, setting up um, your head company, and yeah. then rolling out that way. Um, but you can also sell a master franchise. So right. there is countries that we've already flagged that we'll sell masters into. Um, we'll look for great strategic partners who will buy that, and then they'll roll them out. Yeah, so they'll that they'll roll them out and take a little bit of the upside from franchising Absolutely. across the brand. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I presume you look for someone who's already taken a business, maybe another franchise, maybe an Anytime Fitness or something like that, and and bought a master franchise or something like that and roll them out with someone who knows the fitness industry, or would it be someone who just knows the franchising industry? Look, it's a bit of both. And again, first and foremost, values have to align. Um, the strategic plan needs to align. Um, you know and we need to make decisions that are that long-term play. So we'll look at that. Um, and then we then we kind of see what is their experience, 
what have they been known for and how are they going to be able to support the growth? So absolutely need to have business experience in franchising because franchising is a different beast to, to being comp- company or corporately owned. So yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of different categories we're working through at the moment. So one of the questions I had that came through the Instagram DM was I've got a, I've got a, a, a listener that, that's got a business in the UK, yep. wants to franchise it, and he wanted to know what the positives and negatives to franchising a business from one or two locations is. Yeah, so like, yeah. can, you give, can you give a bit of an insight into the pros and cons of that? Look, I think the positives are, first one for me is you get to uh, share the journey with a lot more people. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say there's negatives to that, um, but you need to be aware of that. Um, it is sharing um, the journey with more people. Franchising, they are business owners. Um, they are going to have an opinion um, and franchising can develop a really bad name because of that rift between the franchisee and the franchisor. Right. Um, so I think going into it, you really need to be open-minded to go, okay, well, I'm not going to be in an ivory tower and this is how I view it, is yeah. we are going to grow together. We are in business together. We need to support each other so everyone wins. Um, and I think that's where it can semi go wrong if you don't go into it for the right reasons. Um, obviously, franchising, you know, um, you can expand that little bit faster because you're not funding every startup, every location yourself. Yeah. Um, again, that's why we're in business together. Um, but I think the biggest thing is before you even decide that, is the model proven? Have you scaled it yourself? Yeah. Have you put your money where your mouth is? And have you created one, two, or three other locations um, yourself and really proven that model? From there, and this is probably something um, you know that that at the early stages I didn't look into because you know we weren't focused 110 percent on what revenue could this create and if we yeah. have a hundred what does it look like it was it was more kind of how do we make a bigger impact but do a financial model um, you know are you better off to own five if it's purely revenue based or profit yeah. based you might be better off owning five of whatever it is they want to franchise over owning 50 or 100 if you're franchising it. So yeah. what are your motivators? Is it to make an impact, get a broader reach, share the journey, or make money? And if it's make money, then um, you're probably you better need, owning Well, you need to just look into it again. Yeah, I think I think breaking it down, like you, like you just suggested, is, is kind of the way that you get a clear understanding of where you're trying to go to. Mm. You've got to know that before you even, even start thinking about franchising. Because if, sure. if you've got one and you're thinking of franchising from yep. one, mm. you kind of could be going down the wrong, wrong path, as you say. Yep. The, the, the one, getting this funding, this 1.7 million that you got. 1.35, right? yeah. 1.35 million. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something you, you get from one particular source or is it something you 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 seed fund from lots of different sources to get this into the business we did it from multiple so um you know smaller check size uh eight to ten people um you know believe in the vision because again you're selling on the the dream and obviously there's a forecast there but you know at, at early stage of business the investors really have to believe that this is going to go where you say it is so need the proven model you need the forecast you need the overarching five ten year plan um and they've got to believe in it so the way we did it was um yeah it was multiple different investors smaller amounts um you know and really again wanted to be on the journey with us they believed in it just as much as i did so um you know definitely different ways you can do it um where it is you know maybe someone comes in or you know it is even a bringing a business partner in that wants to help float some and take some equity um but again, you kind of got to assess that and have the right people to give you the advice on that as well. On your on your five to ten year plan that you have now, yep. do you, have you what what kind of locations are you going to have after five or ten years? How many are we talking here? Look, at, at, we'll get up to that ten thousand mark. Um, ten thousand locations. Yeah, um, the plan, to be honest, um, isn't really just hinged around the locations. Obviously, we need that space. We yep. want that touch point. It's all about our community. Um, but my overarching North Star is how do I create a fit stopper for life? So a fit stopper for life is someone that comes and trains in our locations, builds their network, builds the community, but also, you know, through our technology platform, you know, still goes and does their runs at, you know, every second day or yeah, trains for their, yeah. you know, trains for their marathon, orders their meals, um, you know, monitors their sleep. Um, you know, how do we add value and weight to more people um, to create sustain, like a sustainable lifestyle? Um, so my North Star is we will create a fit stopper for life. We will be able to have multiple touch points with our fit stoppers um, and overall create healthier and happier humans. And with, 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 with all that being said, mm. how many locations of those do you think is, is the market capped out in Australia? Is that, like, is that like 150, 200 or 
how many can this market itself hold? Well, look, I think um, you know you can just look at some numbers of the big box gyms. Anytime Fitness sits at around four hundred and fifty, or I think it's even five hundred. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're a community that services between twelve hundred and three thousand people. Um, we're localized community based, but at the same time, we make sure that our territories are really generous. Um, we want to be able to make sure that our owners are really sustainable and really profitable. Um, so at the moment, our mar- our numbers are looking more around that three hundred mark um, to service Australia, and then obviously look for that overseas expansion. So if 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 I said to you today, okay, Pete, let's let's I'm going to open a fit stop franchise. I'm interested in starting a franchise with you. Yeah. What? Give me a bit of a, a overview of, of the model and how it looks like for someone who's who's listening to this right now. I think mm. you know what I love. What you guys are doing. I want to be on board. Yep. I want to get involved. Give give me that overview of of where we start and mm. where we finish and what it looks like going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I guess to start off with, you would be a perfect candidate to own a fit stop. So for me, it's all about, are you passionate about fitness? You know, we've spoken about your yeah. boxing. Yeah. Are you passionate about business? Yeah. Um, you obviously are that. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. Are you wanting to share more experience with more people? You're that as well. So values have to align. There has to be a right reason. If if you purely came to me and said, Pete, I've got a bunch of cash, want to be a passive investor, don't care about fitness, give me 10 we're yeah. going to be like, hey, man, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. Again, we've got to protect our why. Um, but our process is pretty simple, um, but at the same time, detailed once you get into it. So, um, you know, jump on our website, throw your details in. That's going to go straight to our sales team. Beck's going to pick up a call with you. Um, but you're also going to get sent out our franchise information pack. That's going to talk to you more about um, what our business model actually looks like. You know, some of those high-level investment costs. Um, you know, some of those numbers around return on investment, things like that, just at a really high level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the major one is setting up that phone call to have with one of our team members, learn more about you, for you to ask more questions about the business and make sure there's an alignment. From there, we go through an application process. So once we know there's an alignment, the next step, filling out the application form, and that's everything from, yes, your financials, because you do need money to open a fit stop. Yep. Um, we need to understand your experience, who's going to support you, um, and how you're going to align to a franchise model as well. Because, again, being, buying into a franchise group is a little different than starting your own business. Because there's like ongoing franchise fees. There's, yep. there's a lot more. There's a lot different overheads, but I presume you take some of the marketing burden off them for that and everything like that. Yeah, mm. well, like the best way to think of a franchise is you're buying into something that's already built. So you actually really want to respect the systems, the brand, the technology, um, everything that you're plugging into. So that takes away that stress and pressure. Like, you know, we have a full bookkeeping service. Yeah. Um, you know, we do national um, brand awareness campaigns. Our localized area marketing is done from our locations. Yep. Um, you know, we have all of our systems with our, obviously sales, all the programming done, inductions for trainers. Um, all of that is taken care of. Obviously your technology, you know, all those huge So that everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet Absolutely, from day man. one. Absolutely, It's got to be consistent. That's what a franchise is all about. You know, look at McDonald's, best franchise model in the world. Consistency is key. Um, So that's a big thing that we talk about. And actually, all of our location owners really respect and protect as well. So, you know, if there is slight things happening within the network, maybe it's thrown off a little bit. We all have that conversation. Hey, guys, power in numbers. We need to be doing this. And, And look, in fitness, slightly different to maybe a McDonald's. But if one of our locations does something slightly different, let's just even say... The program says it's a bicep curl. Um, yeah. We don't do that many bicep curls. but and, and instead, we do a tricep extension. That actually may not necessarily look like it affects the location that much. Maybe it was programmed better that way. Yeah. But what it actually affects is the member experience in that location, but also every other location around them because you know, all of a sudden, we did something different. Myself as a member at a different location sees that and goes, oh, did I miss out on that? And then the yeah. member in that location yeah. goes, oh, I didn't get to do the curl. Did I miss out on that? Yeah. And so it's, it's actually and it's, just, it's so, it sounds so trivial when yeah. you put it like that, yeah. but it's like, that's part of being in a franchise, isn't it? You, you have to go together. You can't mm. just have these people that go online. Do you do like a psychoanalysis test on these people to kind of see if, if they're the type of person that aligns with teamwork or, or goes, goes alone? Cause like that, that would, that would obviously highlight a lot of things for you. Yeah. Well, I guess getting back to the process, it's once we get that application and we understand that there is merit here in progressing it, you know, it's that formal meeting. Um, you know, most of the time that's done with Beck. She's going to go through full financials of the business, what it actually looks like line by line. We use, you know, we've got an amazing templated um, financial forecasting toolkit. You basically go and build your business, your fit stop business out with her. Yeah. Um, and again, 
from that we can get a deep understanding for you know what is this business going to look like how you know are we going to protect the rules of the game within fitstop yep. are we buying into it for the right reasons um you know after that it then goes through a number of different um, steps and processes until it gets to the very end which is either a phone call with myself or alan our coo yep. to go through those um those those finer details around what a franchise system looks like. Um, and it's just to make sure that we're setting those expectations on both ends. We're both buying into it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, because disappointment only comes from a misalignment of expectations. So look, once we go through those processes and steps, then it's um, all guns, guns blazing and we're ready to get you open. Is it something though that comes as a standard price? It's like, it's like X, XYZ, the franchise is this much money. Mm. And then is it a case of fit stop, i.e. you going and finding the location that it can be, can be delivered in for that amount of money or is it something that changes the price of the um the gym facility per location because obviously sometimes you know a rent in victoria might yep. be might be more than the rent in queensland for argument's sake yeah so how does that how does how do you work that out yeah so look we have parameters around everything and obviously again we've got that business model that's built out that tells us that rent could be between this price and this price this is our average rent across all our locations yeah um so again you've got that information in front of you but to answer your question it is a different overall investment for every single location yeah so for us it's an upfront franchise fee which they pay which everyone pays to us yeah um, and then we've got our ongoing royalty fee which is a percentage of our overall revenue outside of that we then support through the lease process the design process, the quoting process, and the build process. Right. We've got a number of different third-party vendors that look after all of that, which are our preferred vendors. So again, we have some control over those price points, obviously keeping people honest, um, and that accountability to get the best result possible. But the difference between rent, the difference between square meterage, the difference between the landlord work. So if you're entering into what we call a cold shell with where it's just open ceilings, um, no amenities, no aircon, or maybe a warm shell where it's already got your bathrooms built out, nice lighting, yeah, aircon, yeah. like you're talking kind of thirty to $40,000 difference. So yeah. again, we make sure we're on the front foot with getting amazing deals. Um, you know, obviously now as a national business, we've got a bit more leverage. Um, you know, to, to in terms of in terms of negotiating the commercials. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we've got a sound business. We've got a proven model. You know, when you are a startup or a boutique, you're entering into somewhere, and the landlord's going to go, "Oh, you're a high risk." Um, I, I'm not probably going to be willing to do too much with this deal. Whereas, you know, now when we go into that, and you've got weight of a franchise group around you, you've got a bit more certainty. Um, you can pull on those those levers. Yeah. So, you know, you might pay a little bit more rent, but we're going to get an amazing fit out done for you. So then that is going to then affect your overall it's capital offsets, costs. Offsets. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find the location first though, or do you, or do, or do, or do you just see where where you might find these franchisees, and then when they when they put their hand up, and if they meet the criteria, then mm. you build a gym in their area, or or do they, or is there specific locations that you sell off? Okay, we we know from this this is our demographic of people these that they get the right median income to yep. in this area we've got the right amount of footfall we've got the right amount of traffic going past this location this is where we're putting one and then sell it off to the network that way we do both um, right okay we do both because the people come first all the time so we're generating leads you know we'll get anywhere between 60 to 100 leads a, a month to buy a franchise yeah um again we take them on a process it's a lengthy process um you know again beck will make that process incredible um we get to the end of that then we look at okay well where are they best suited and we already have the entire of australia mapped out with all of our key territories we know the demographics headcount average income all that sort of stuff yep we'll then plug those people into where is best going to suit them based off maybe where they live where they want to move to because you've got to build a lifestyle around this around you've yep. got to be comfortable there's no point you opening any business in an area you don't like you don't want to go to you don't want to build a community around um so that's kind of first and foremost um then we go and hunt for the building the other side to this is we're we're now again in a great position where we've got these big landlords coming to us with amazing deals so we'll craft that deal out and we'll hold that deal until we have the right person we do go to market on it to attract the right people but again it's not just about kind of like you know here's a deal who wants it sign it up it's taking them through the right process. So, so you're ne- so you now in the position where, you, where you're where attracting landlords to say, hey, I think this location would suit a fit stop. Absolutely. Have you thought about it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how, so how far into the into the franchising model did, did, 
was it before these people started to come to you and say, "Hey, look, this oh, we want to we want to put a fit stop in our location here, and we want one yeah. over here." How long was it before that started to come to you? Yeah, it would have been nice if it was from the start, but the reality is, um, you know, they've got to hedge their bets too. So now we're a proven model; it's happening. And it's probably been in the last nine months. Um, just before COVID, um, we started to get a lot of it, and I I kept developing it out through COVID. So we still signed. I think it was seven or no maybe eight or nine leases during that covid period obviously with some um some some better terms in there um but yeah it's um it's coming along really strong now again we're seen as a feeder tenant for the, some of these big complexes you've obviously yeah. got your Woolworths, your coles that kind of thing yeah um but because we attract you know these amazing communities who are coming to see us every people day. want you in the people want yeah, you the, in their commercial you property know, our, our members leave and go to the cafe they go to the barber shop they, yeah. they drop into Woolworths to, to you know to grab their dinner so um, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting uh, sourced after now, so it's a uh, good position to be in. Do you think are more shopping centres coming online now? Because obviously there's a lot of a lot of shopping centres now coming with openings after COVID and everything mm. like that was happening in retail. A lot more of these shopping centres now saying like like uh, your Westfields and people like that, are they reaching out and wanting fit stops in or are they not on board yet? Not not quite the, the bigger players like a Westfield. And um, look, it probably doesn't fit 100% of exact model that we want as well. So, yeah. um, you know, more of those, uh, those centralised community-based strip malls, little complexes, um, you know, the Stockwells, um, Stocklands, like that kind of developer is um, who we're really attracted to and, and who we're constantly building relationships with. So maybe if you are a developer out there and uh, you want yeah. uh, a fit stop in your building anywhere in Australia, um, hit us up. I th- yeah, I think I think there'll be a few developers. There, there are a few developers that listen to this, a few boys in real estate too. Perfect. And uh, I'm sure they'll be able to hook you up with a few tenants. Yeah, yeah. But like, give me um, the, the biggest the – biggest the highest growth location for you i presume mm-hmm. is probably going to be um going towards sydney and melbourne eventually yeah so we're in melbourne already um so we've we've um we've chosen to expand maybe a little different to to some but um you know like i said we're community-based brisbane born and bred so proved ourselves here we then launched into victoria so we currently have four locations open in victoria um, and we'll open another four in the next six or so months um 10 by the end of the year are most of your inquiries when out of the hundred that come in per month, are most of them from, from those locations in order to obviously boost the numbers there or are you getting more more like people wanting to set them up in Queensland or where, where, where yeah, are the look, inquiries coming from? Look, naturally, Queensland's our hot, hot spot right now. We're becoming a household name. Um, you know, People are loving it. They're seeing the success that our owners are getting. So um, a lot of the leads are organically coming from um, Queensland. We have a big focus on Victoria and also WA. So we're about to open in WA, um, just out of uh, in in Perth in uh, late March, um, and then from there start to expand. So big focus, um, obviously looking after the support and rollout in Queensland, um, but really moving into Victoria and WA. Um, and we've started that sales process in Sydney as well. So got a couple of opening up in outer New South Wales, and then kind of moving more into that uh, CBD region. So we'll be all states by the end of this year. Mate, that's epic. That's epic. So you're not in Western Australia just yet? No, we're not. So first one, end of this month, we've signed a lease. We've got done the designs. Um, build will start the next couple of weeks. We'll start pre-launch. Um, so, you, yeah, you guys probably hear, heard it here first anyway. Buzzing. That, uh, buzzing. Yeah, we'll be buzzing to w. get that open for you. But mm. I'll, I'll, now, now I want to switch it up. I want to yep. hear more about Pete and, and what Pete does. Because, like... The way the way you've described everything you do, it sounds like you're working like eighteen hour days. You're, <laughs> you're pumping fruit, but like, yep. what what do you do mm. to, to to switch off? Like, how do you get how do you get out of the mi- mindset of just obviously being on all the time? <laughs> uh, not possible, I don't think. I'm always on. Um, I guess um, there's a couple of things though. So Sunday's always my day off. Yep. Um, no emails. You know, obviously unless something comes up, but um, you know, it, it's that time to. You know, really step out. I love the beach. Beck and I love the beach. We got a little puppy Archie, um, so we're down the coast a lot. Um, we built a, a house this year during COVID, which was nice and stressful. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, we're, we're hanging out home by the pool. So Sunday, absolute rest day. Um, outside of that, I guess I've got my daily routine that I go through. But I mean, I love the work. It's it's not work. It's um, you know, it's it's exactly where I want to be and who I want to be. So yeah, from Monday to Saturday, um, full steam ahead. So what so obviously you've got a lot of purpose around what you do that's that's clear to see how did you go about finding that purpose in the initial initial place to obviously get this much drive to keep doing this every day for six days a week yeah um look again it goes back to um you know sitting on the couch for the first 12 weeks and you know battling those demons i guess when you had an e-reconstruction to falling in love with something you know again the same as i did for motocross and then 
fall in love with that progression, um, learning from amazing people, trying to pass that forward. Um, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, something that I learned very early on was, like I said before, you need a few people around you that will inspire you to go that next step. Um, and that's actually part of FitStop's purpose. It's ignite people's passion to play a bigger game. That's all of our owners, that's our a trainers. Great, that's, a great, that's a great why statement, that is. Yeah. So Say it, that again. Ignite, ignite people's passion to play a bigger game. I love yeah. that. Um, and that's everything that we instill in our company, our values, what we drive for. So every day that's me. Um, and, and again, like, you know, there, there's hard times for sure. You know, I'm running a company with, you know, employees and 10,000 members in 42 locations and they all get shut down through COVID. Like that's, that's, that's this gray hair right here. Um, lo- you were really fast to act on that Brisbane lockdown mm, on yep. social and everything like that. Yeah. I think yep. you, I think you'd, you'd already created all your socials and, and had a bit of a plan in place within about two hours of that lockdown being announced. I think yeah, it was, tw- yeah. I think twelve. I think it was um, announced at like 10 30 AM. And I think by yeah. 12 30 AM, I saw a post from you guys yeah. saying, Oh, you know, we're doing this at the venues. We're doing this at the gyms. We're doing yep. this, we're doing this, we're doing this yep. like that. That's, that's, that's the fluidity of what you've got as a team now. I just can't believe you can service 10,000 members with 11 staff. Well, that, that's head office staff. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. and so that's our core team internally. We externalize so much. So yeah. we've got two external marketing teams, agencies with, you know, probably combined of 20 people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've got our whole tech arm of the business, which they have a team of 30. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've got all these amazing vendors that you've plugged um, in. I understand now. Yeah. But the key here is never lose the magic. Now, as you grow and expand, um, more people, more opinions, more dilution potentially. And again, we're really protective of people that come on board Fitstop. We're, you know, we've just had, we've had two people start already this year. We're in the process of recruiting two more, one more to start next week. So five in the first five weeks. And it's so hard to get the people with your energy to plug into Fitstop. Do you know what I mean? Like in yeah. terms of like to find the right people, because you can find lots of people that want to work there, but they yep. might not be the right fit for, for sure for, for the brand. And they don't need my energy. Um, you know, Again, I'm not great at everything. I'm far from it, actually. Um, we want people that are aligned with our values and our vision, um, You know, really understand our culture. And our culture is all about performance culture. We are athletes. We drive like athletes um, you know, and, and want to be in the journey for that long game. So you know, we do recruit that little bit slower. We, we make sure that it absolutely aligns. And then once it's locked and loaded, um, like I said, Al runs the business fantastically internal it's all about action plans um you know key projects 12 month roadmap like um there's some amazing leadership in there um and he's he's doing a great job so but and it it is the leadership that that obviously has allowed this growth to happen you know you've obviously been free to do what you're best at by other people within the business operating and other people back taking off this the sales of the franchises Mm. and other stuff like that which everything you it's good to see the way that you've you've not only outsourced to other companies the things that you perhaps weren't the best at but you've also outsourced within your team so you can obviously you know accentuate sure. the accentuate the good things that you're doing you were mentioned before about a lot of um, mentorship that you've had yeah and i think obviously judging by everything that we've been through and what you've achieved on this journey mentorship's had a massive role in your development when did you first get into like having mentors and and obviously how has it how has it helped fitstop progress yeah, good question. And again, I'm going to go back to knee reconstruction. Um, I found an amazing physiotherapist, um, Simon Rondell. Look him up. He's yep. an awesome guy. Um, he was probably one of the, my, I would say my first mentor in a way that he took me under his wing and taught me everything I needed to know about biomechanics, human body performance, rehabilitation with my knee. Yep. Um, and so when I look for a mentor, it's not necessarily a business coach or someone with that title. It's who do I need to be next? What do I need to learn? And who could I get that information from? So, um, And you just go and align yourself with that person straight away. Yeah, for sure. And it's absolutely, and don't get me wrong, it's not to like use people or anything like that. It's like have great conversation with people, um, share with them what you're you're looking for, what you're wanting to achieve next. And people get bought into that as well. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, a 15-minute coffee is better than a, a mentor or a performance coach for six months. It's like, but you need to know what you're looking for. There's no point seeking advice, support, whatever else. If you're like, kind of want to do this, this, and this, like maybe there's people that will help you to go in the right direction. But you know, I think when you've got a really clear vision and you can go, cool, Hey, need to learn this element, or I need to be surrounded by these people. It's that whole circle of influence thing. Then that's when you're going to extract the gold. 
So how did you get aligned with get aligned with Jack Delosa and get get involved with with him and obviously the entourage and everything like that? How did that mm. come about? Look, it, and and again, it was um, I knew that I needed to learn. So again, going back to Redland Bay, hundred square meter building had thirty members at the time. Thirty members isn't making you any money. I was still eighteen hour days, still you know, struggling training, to pay the bills. Yeah, you know, paying rent, not paying myself. Um, I knew that I needed to learn something, and I wanted to learn the same way that I did. Um, about human performance so um yeah i I got spammed an instagram ad i'm pretty sure to look at this uh entourage can't remember what they called it it was like a discovery day yeah um it was held in brisbane um yeah again showed back she's like yep you absolutely need to learn you have no idea how to run a business um so went along to it took two buddies with me one said nah this is not great don't love the energy yeah yeah whatever else and you know everyone's been to these kind of events you either like you, don't you buy into the love it or hate it. Yeah, a bit like Tony Robbins type thing. Yeah, and I've done I've done Tony Robbins and that sort of stuff as well. But um, look, I heard all these amazing people speak on stage, and I was like, shit, there's something here. I need to do something. So take action. Went home, told Beck it was like eighteen thousand dollars for the year. Um, so I signed up to it. And again, you're not getting mentored by Jack, but Jack's built an amazing team. So um, you know, it wasn't one, two, or three people. It was like ten people you're learning from. Yeah, I'd fly down to Sydney every second month. I think it was. Again, I'm not making any money. Um, spending eighteen grand a year on, but you're this. backing yourself. That's the key thing here. You're backing yeah. yourself here. Yeah, you, you are backing yourself. You're putting in. You might not be making the money you want to make right now, but mm. everything you're doing right now is predicated on the fact that you're backing yourself right now through this process. And it's cost of opportunity. Again, went home, tell Beck. She's like, definitely can't afford that, but um, we're going to lose a lot. To we, yeah, you're going to lose a lot more um, if we keep going this way. So you, you got to learn. Um, so sign up for it. Um, again, talk about it all the time. What's the cost of opportunity? What if I don't? do this what if we don't take this next step um yeah sure maybe we can you know make some mistakes but we'll learn from it we'll keep moving forward and again sacrifice i um you know i was flying down budget airlines i was staying in backpackers um you know then going to these three days conferences really? going back to the backpackers taking my notes what? going to sleep what like like bondi backpackers that no time. it was like cbd so i think it was like i wake up sydney something like that yeah um did that for well i think i only stayed in a hotel once and it was the last one i did and that's because I think we'd hit 100 members. So the beauty, that was my trait. The beauty of this, though, this allows people to see what goes in. Like, uh, to, yeah. it, what goes really into this. Obviously, Fit Stop's 43 locations now. Mm. You're telling me it's going to be 10,000 locations. I have no doubt it's going to be 10,000 locations. Yep. But people think that from 1 to 43 was an was like he's just blown up he's come out of nowhere yeah like you're telling me that you've you've stayed at a backpackers in sydney Mm. to go to an event with mentors that cost you 18 20 grand for for the year it's like that's how much you've gone oh yeah i love this so much i'm gonna just put it all in and put it on the line yeah yeah look and again it comes back to that grit the determination whatever you want to call it but yeah again people talk about like oh you shouldn't have to sacrifice like I don't really consider it a sacrifice if it's something that I'm really loving. Like, I, you know, it's, it was my dream. I'm so fortunate. I've had great support around me that has allowed me to live my dream. And, and now we get to impact all these lives and have amazing business owners. You know, we're, we're now the ones that are throwing these huge events and conferences. And, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty surreal some days. Mate, I, I, honestly, I'm in awe of what you've done and what you're going to do. Just for people... But for the people that are listening to this, right, that are wanting to take some action in life, like to do something, right, yeah. in business, a lot of them, a lot of them, are like, oh, you know, I want to set up a business. Do you know what I mean? What, what, possible, what, kick up the ass could you give them right now on this podcast to say, yeah. you know, go and back yourself? Like, what, what is your key, like, f- four or five points that just get to get people to get, you know, get, get the drive that you have. Yeah. Well, look, I think the first one is you have to understand your why, like, why are you doing it? And what are you willing to do to make that happen? Um, you know, like you said, you've, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to do the hard work, you've got to be all things to all people at some stage. So are you prepared to do the work? And is it worth it? Not for the financial outcome, but how it's going to make you feel. The second one is just do it. And it sounds so simple, but it's just like signing the lease for the second time. Go and find the building, sign the lease. It's like, you know, it's taking that next step. It's the, the part, the, where we are right now, um, expanding into different states. It's just taking that next step. You know, Brene Brown talks about it. you've got to be the man in the arena. Be the person in the arena. The, the people on the outside are the ones that are going to point and shout and laugh and all that sort of stuff. But if you're the person that's sitting in there every day, then you're going to get it done. But So, yeah, I guess to summarize it, you have to have a solid why. Um, 
you have to genuinely believe in it and you have to be ready to go all in. Um, the next step is just take the next step. Step forward, sign the lease, sign the deal, hire the team, um, work the 18-hour days, 24-hour days, whatever you need to. Um, and then have that bigger picture thinking that you want to share the journey. I think too many people go, oh, I'll play the small game, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'm going to keep it all close to me, um, you know, I'll be able to run it. National, Very self-serving. Yeah, you, you can't do that. And one, you'll never feel fulfillment in your life if you're self-serving. Um, and, and two, you'll never, personally, I believe, you'll never build success or what you think success is anyway. And are you someone that ad- adequately like goes out and seeks knowledge from books or are you just someone who just does it from the mentorship like you said before? Do you, is, there, is there anything like impactful that you've read and, and, and gone and changed, changed your life or mindset? Look, I'm, I get distracted quite easy. So I'm not someone that listens to a podcast every morning and reads 10 books and that sort of stuff. But I really focus on who do I need to be next. And who do I need to be next is nothing about changing me as a person or my core values. It's a trainer to a owner to a now CEO of a, a global, hopefully a global business, right? Who yeah. do I need to be next? Who do I need to be surrounded by? Who do I need to learn from? That's when I'm going to go seek it. So I love the guys from Gymshark. Massive shout out. Their yeah. content is incredible. The detail they talk about it. Um, you know, um, I'm loving watching the content on Gymshark because they've actually built something. So um, I seek what I need um, and then kind of then translate it for me. Is that something you're going to show behind the scenes of building fit stop because i think that would be mm. really interesting content to see on youtube do you know what i mean like, yeah, like, yeah. like those development yeah. meets you don't have to show the products or the or the software or this that and the other but i think it'd be really beautiful to see how you're putting things together how you're building this like just seeing just seeing you touring a, a location uh, mm. like a building site and, and this is what we're going to do with this location and this location is coming up in yep. in four weeks time and it's going to be, you know what I mean? Inquire, you know, email like, like, yeah, kind of, yeah, like, yeah, kind of yeah. like a bit like Grant Cardone, but then mm. a bit like Gymshark too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, I think it would work for you. Yeah, look, um, I love the content, and again, right now the focus is what are we doing this year to implement our systems to execute on it. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, again, I'm fortunate now to be able to breathe a little, so I'd love to share more of it. I'm really inspired by the way that um, Ben and the boys from Gymshark are doing it. So maybe stay tuned, and uh, we'll start to do some behind the scenes stuff. Mate, and and honestly, I've, I think you're going to do some legendary stuff this year. I just want to again, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast, mate. It's been it's been epic to hear about how you've built it and how you've gone from co- being that motocross rider to obviously accentuating building one physical location now 43. I have no doubt in my mind you're going to be at 10,000 in a lot faster time frame than even you probably think. Like, I, I really believe that. Drop your socials on here so they can follow you, the brand and you and everything like that yeah thanks mate look um follow fitstop australia follow all of our locations search your local area um jump on instagram you're going to see exactly what that community looks like um follow me peter hull on instagram probably the best handle the one that i use most often um and i'll uh, try to keep you guys all updated and maybe leak some uh behind the scenes stuff for you and just just i know i know know you've dropped your four points but just Mm. your one golden nugget before we before we sign off this podcast, your one golden nugget that if if you die tomorrow, you you've left it to the world, mate. Um, the biggest one is we ignite people's passion to play a bigger game. So can you? If you believe in it so much that you are willing to do the work, just do it. I love it. I love it. It's because it's so simple, so succinct, and it's so timeless. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It works in every time. Every time. Yep. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you can, if you can give Pete or myself some feedback, like, review, share it with your friends, we'd appreciate it. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Frankie Lee. I just want to say again, mate, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, much love to all of you. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.